this is going to be the easiest podcast I've ever done in my entire life because the guest is sort of me. I don't have to think about like a phone call and the technology and figuring out the files and waiting for whoever it is to send me the Wii transfer because they don't use Dropbox because they're mental or their Dropbox is full so they've got to delete stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, it's me. I'm sort of bored. Um, off tour till February. February, we go on the While She Sleeps, Straight From The Path landmarks trash boat tour in Europe and the UK look on the internet find that go to it buy tickets I think everything's selling pretty pretty darn well um so yeah that's gonna be fun uh but we got all this time off so I'm like do some podcasts I went on the uh, stick to your guns counterparts employed to surf tour for a few days Shout out to anyone shouting Grussell at me in between those band's songs because they could see me. That was fucking mental. Um, but keep it up because it's fucking hilarious to ruin other people's shows in the name of my own ego. Speaking of my own ego, my guest. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, so what I did, trying to kill some time. I don't really want to, not kill time, but I'm bored. Um, and I don't really want to bother any of my list of guests that I have lined up coming. I don't really want to bother them that much at Christmas. So I was like, you know what? I'll do a QA and a because people have been asking me to do one. Tell some stories. Fuck about. Um, and then hopefully it's good. And if it's good, I'll probably do one maybe every five or six episodes. Keep it a little bit fresh. Um, anyone that's like requesting drummers to be on here, cool. Thanks and everything. But make sure you tag them because I'm not going to go trying to get your favourite drummers. Oh, hello, can you be on my podcast, please? Like, I'm trying to create like an elite podcast here. I don't want a shit muncher podcast where I have to ask people. We want to get it to the stage where they ask me, right? Unless they're a mate. So tag them and then they might ask me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, so what am I going to do here? I'm going to do like uh, some questions Instagram, Twitter, everyone came up with questions. Instagram was very, like, serious. Uh, uh, how do you play the drums, etc.? And then Twitter was where the fucking mad questions were. So there's a bit of a mix of everything. They all kind of fall into four categories. So I'm going to try and tell some stories and mix it up a bit um, without it being too much like I'm interviewing myself, which is fucking bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S, insanity. Um... So, yeah, they all fall into either, like, life and career stuff or stuff about the gym. It's quite a lot of that and how it relates to drums. Uh, stuff about drums. Could you believe that? that uh, people are asking me questions about drums. Um, in case you don't know who I am, I'm a drummer. My name's Craig, or Craig, if you're American. Um I'm sure you know who I am if you're listening to this. If you're fucking, if you're not, and you have no idea who I am, how did you get here? I don't, I, I don't know. Um, and then, like, there's some random questions, which is where, like, the funny ones were and stuff. Fuck me, there's a lot of them. So I'll try and get through as many as possible. I've sort of nit, nitpicked, no, cherry-picked the ones that I think I could talk about without it being freaking boring. Don't know why I said freaking, though. Suddenly decided not to swear. Fuck, 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 shit, wanker. Let's start with the life stuff. Josh Redbeard, which I think is um, Josh from the radio in... National Radio in Australia. 
It says, what do you remember about your first experience with drumming in any form? What drew you to the instrument? And why did you choose to focus the drums on the drums over other instruments? Which I can answer that because I was there when this was decided by me to do the drums. And I'll tell you what happened. I was in year six. So whatever old, how old are you in year six? Ten, I think. And then like, I was like any old kid in year six. Like I just wanted to be cool and get girls to like me. And then someone came into the sort of assembly. Do Does America have assemblies? Just like when the school sort of gets together before school starts. Um, someone came and went, uh, we're doing drum lessons at the um, the big school. Does anyone want to do them? And I was like, fuck yeah. I didn't say fuck. I, I don't think I said fuck yeah, but in my head, whatever sort of chemicals release the fuck yeah, they were activated in my 10-year-old brain. Because uh, I was like, yeah, that made me cool, wasn't it? And what fucking happened? It did. Uh, no, they were like, uh, yeah, does anyone want to do it? I was like, yeah, I'll give that a go. And then I didn't really take it seriously for all of school, which is like six years, till I sort of started some bands. First band was called The, the Suck Ups. Punk, political punk. So, you know, here we are, 21 years later, still doing the same thing. Um, yeah. I didn't really take it seriously. I just sort of learned. I did do grades, which we talked about in the Kyle podcast, what grades are. But then I sort of was just more more into doing bands, playing in bands, learning songs. But I wasn't very good. And then I got to 16. And then they were like, right, that's it. Three, two, one. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? You have to decide right now, which as a system... I think it's fucking bullshit. But anyway, that's what happens at the end of school. What you are, what do you want to do? And I was like, I literally don't want to do anything. Uh, I guess I'm all right at drums. And then my music teacher at the time, she was like, you're good enough to go to this music school. And obviously, because I didn't know any better drummers, I was like, yeah, I am. And then I got into this music school, ACM. Don't know how I got in. I think I might have bribed them. And I got there and I was the worst one. I was the worst person in my class at 16 years old. Um, and then I just sort of decided there, I was like, well, shit, I can't really go back on this. So I better be good. So I just practiced every single day for two hours, at least two hours. Um, and then when I got to sort of like 18, I got a job in a warehouse that allowed me to buy an electronic drum kit on finance. So I was paying off like, what, 200 quid a month for this Roland thing. And then I would go to work. I would get home from work at six. I would play drums for two hours from six till eight. And then I would eat dinner and then I would go to sleep. And then I would repeat that. And I did that for three years. Um, And that's sort of... You know, that covers my first experience and what drew me to it. Um, why did I choose to focus on drums over, over other instruments was just because it was way cooler. And then when you grow up, you're like, actually, fuck me. I kicked myself in the dick there, didn't I? Because you've got the most gear. You're sat at the back. No one takes photos of you. 
girls don't think it's cool. The what girls think about drummers is they originally think they're not into them, and then they meet the whole band and they're like, actually, the drummer's the best one. So yeah, that's sort of that's how it happened. Um, it's a bit weird deciding your whole life at ten years old, but I think that was an accident. I don't think I was planning it. Maybe I was. I don't know. I don't know how this crazy world works. You don't know anything at 10, do you? I say I was into girls. I think I was more into just being cool because eventually that would get girls. But I don't think at 10 you're like, you're sexually into girls, are you? I do remember the first time I noticed... God, this is getting fucking... This is like a therapy now. Eight minutes in, he goes, is a deeply personal thing. I remember the first time I noticed, like, you know, when you get attracted to a girl... Guys, you know what I'm saying. Um, the first time I noticed the correlation, because when you've got all those hormones going on in your body when you're a kid, you're like, what the fuck does that mean? What's happening down there? But the first time I like clocked it and I was like, hang on, I was watching The Mask, Cameron Diaz in The Mask, and I was like, well, hang on, there's a clear correlation there between what's happening on the screen and what's happening in my underwear. I must have been about fucking eight can I say this on a podcast? It's been said. Okay, next fucking question. Um, more life shit. We'll do all the life shit and then we'll do all the other shit. Um, God, some of these are the same. What made you want to become a drummer? Again, f- laziness, wanting to be cool. Are there times when you wish you'd chosen a different career path? If so, what and why? From Mika Patrick. Um, no, there was when it was going a bit shit, but now I'm like, I don't know what I would do without this. I guess that's kind of why I'm doing the podcast. So if I get some sort of hideously crippling injury and I can't play the drums, then at least I can sort of gob off on microphone about when I had a boner when I was a kid, which is apparently what I talk about. Uh, But I think out of my mates, this is going to sound really cliche, but... The tattoo artists and the barbers are the only ones where I'm like, you guys are set because no one's ever going to be able to download what you do. I mean, you might, but that's like five billion years from now. But like, you can't download a haircut. You can't download a tattoo. So, yeah, I think maybe one of them. But I'm not very artistic. I've got an E in art. Um, because my teacher didn't like my final thing, because it was like a baby, it was all deformed, like a sort of mixed media vibe. Um, I say that she didn't like it, and that's why I didn't get it, I think that's what I told my parents, but actually I didn't do the writing bit about art, because I was like, it's art, you do the art, don't you, and then you get the grade, but no, apparently you have to write about what fucking brush strokes or whatever, I don't know. Worst side job that you had in between tour or just in general when becoming a full-time musician from Dylan Critters. Good movie. I hope your name is about movie. About movie? Fuck me. Brain dead. Idiot already. Um, Worst side job. I didn't really have many jobs. Um, I'll tell you what the best one was, though, in terms of getting good at practice, was... um, I worked in a wine shop, Thresher's, in uh, a little village near where my parents lived. And uh, it was like, it's literally a little village called Goring. 
and uh, it's just full of old people. It's like a zombie film, but old people. And I worked in the wine shop there. And I would say we had maybe 15 customers a day, max. And I'd be in there for eight, eight to ten hours. So what I'd do is I'd stick a practice pad in the back room and I had a little bell set up so I could hit. I said that like I invented the bell for a store. When you walk in a store and a bell goes off, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this sort of bell system. No, the bell system was already there. Um, but the bell would tell me someone was in the shop. So whenever the bell wasn't telling me someone was in the shop, I was in the back on my practice pad. And there was an office next door and the guy would come next door and be like are you drumming and i'd be like nah i don't know what you're talking about it's like that's weird i can hear like drumming i'm like that's crazy mate now fuck off ding the bell on the way out now fuck off so i can do my benny greb language of drumming practice and i did that for like two years just on a practice pad and i reckon i got better in those eight hours a day on a practice pad for two years than i did in 15 years at school 15 years at school 15 years post school that's a lie, you know, maybe five years, ten years, I don't know. Uh, yeah, insight on Viatrophy. A lot of people want to know about this. If you don't know, Viatrophy was my first real band, death metal band from the UK. It was sort of uh, death metal meets post-metal vibe. So it's like Cult of Luna meets Psychroptic. Um, we went for a while, we were pretty big in the UK. Um, getting there in Europe just no management not realising how good we had it made us split up a little bit Um, I actually joined that band after their EP their EP was Program Drums and then I joined and I was not good enough to join but my parents had moved away and I had like a year where I was like looking after their house and I think the rest of the guys in the band were like, we can come around this guy's house all the time and practice here. Um, and then we became mates, obviously, but we partied quite a lot. Sorry, mum and dad, because you definitely listened to this. But you know I partied quite a lot, because one time our next-door neighbour came around mid-party. My mate John Cooper just screamed in her face. Oh, she, she came around at, like, 2am, and we are playing fucking killing in the name of on live instruments in the lounge she comes around my mate screams in her face and then when my parents got back from there like my dad was working somewhere um they came back and it was the first thing she said like someone screamed in my face and they had a party my dad just goes yeah we left an 18 year old boy on his own in a house and we imagined there was going to be some parties so yeah Viatrophy we did a bit and then we split up we split up mainly because our guitarist got a girlfriend, I think. can't really remember. Something like that. He's probably listening to this. Um, that's very presumptive of me. Uh, he got a sort of girlfriend and he wasn't really paying attention to the band and stuff. We had like a whole second album written in demos. And then I think it was a bit like when one person's not paying attention... You kind of throw your toys out the pram. You're like, oh, fuck it. Oh, yeah, let's just split up then. And we split up like the day after we had like a full page spread in Kerrang. Um, we've just done like a Radio 1 interview and stuff. And then we just fucked it off. Um, and I was gutted, if I'm honest. I didn't recover for a while. I probably didn't actually recover until I joined Stray, actually. Because I just, I put everything into that band. And then it split up. And then I was just fucking miserable. 
miserable little man. And uh, that misery has remained. I think I was miserable before that, really. Uh, what are the other members of Archfi doing now? Not sure. Um, don't really speak to any of them. Oh, actually, John Jones, JJ, is the touring session guitarist for Bring Me the Horizon. Okay. And I am the drummer for Stray from the Path. And the other guys, I've got a no fucking idea. Um, most rewarding part of your music career from X Jonathan, some word I can't pronounce, X Straight Edge Jonathan, I'd imagine. Um, definitely when we went to Kenya, being able to give a village clean water that's not had clean water before was a bit mental. Um, did music. No, most reward, yeah, that's the most rewarding part. That was the, the most rewarding for the soul. Sometimes I have to check myself and be like, remember you did that. So, you know, if there's the hell, you're not going to be quite on the lowest tier. As a joke, I know full well, scientific fact, there is no hell. But I don't know what's after this world, okay? So just be nice, everyone. That's a sort of public service announcement. Um, do you feel like you've reached that fabled level of success where you can really pause, reflect and enjoy everything you've worked so hard for? Or is that really just a lie that our brains tell us when we are trying to accomplish a goal? From Julian Hits Stuff, I imagine you are a drummer or maybe a lumberjack. Um, Julian, Jules, uh, I don't think I'm at that level. I've got a podcast, is that successful? Um, I think the fear of being self-employed and never, like, I don't have enough money to last me till fucking the next tour, let alone when I'm 50 without a mortgage, uh, without a, what's the thing that they give you? Pension. I ain't got a pension. So I think the fear of that just keeps you going because I've got no idea what I'm going to do. Or how I'm going to pay for being old. Because being old is expensive, isn't it? Like, oh, my hip's broke. Got to fix it. Um, so, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, actually, this is pretty wicked. Usually it's when I'm getting like on a plane somewhere. And actually, I hate being on a plane. But then I'm like, oh, this is actually quite, quite snazzy, isn't it? I'm going to Japan to play a gig. Um, so that's cool. What's the fucking question? This is crap. Leave me comments saying that this is crap. We don't, we don't, no one wants to hear your shit. Um, always a good one. May have already been asked this. In your opinion, this is sort of drum related, but, you know, it's a drum podcast. In your opinion, do you think being able to read music and have a good understanding of the theory goes a long way in the business? Uh, that's from As Oak. Yes, is the answer. And I know I've had a lot of people on here that can't read music or whatever, and loads of great drummers can't read music. But um, there's no way I would have had the successful teaching career that I had, because I don't teach now, I just sell T-shirts and go on tour. But when I did teach, um, I mean, I do teach, but I don't. I used to teach full-time. There's no way I would have had that repeat business and with kids getting on a linear progression to get better if I couldn't read music because I couldn't teach I, I couldn't 
teach that level of stuff, you know, 25 times a week with 25 different students with 25 different levels of where they're at without being able to like either document what we have previously done or where we're going to go, whether that be like books or whatever. So I think it's massively important and it's massively important to explain what's going on when you're trying to write a part. If you can sort of break it down and be like, okay, the 16th note pattern, let's change it to triplets. Everyone knows what that means essentially. And being able to write it down helps you with programming and for how easy it is to learn. I don't think there's any excuse other than laziness and people, people go, Oh, I, uh, yeah, I just never learned. You know, I just think it's about vibe, man. It's like, cool. If you are in the fucking Beatles, then great. It's about vibe, but I need 31 pounds from a kid's drum lesson so I can eat this week. All right. And the best way to do that is to know how to read music. And it's so fucking easy to do. You just go on the internet. Drums is so easy to do. It's not even like each line is a different drum. All you got to learn is like the subdivisions and what they look like. And then you know it. It's like a stick drawing of a drum kit. There's no like chords or key changes or whatever. Or what's the other one? Notes. There's no notes. We ain't got notes, boy. As, as a boy's name or a girl's name? I don't know. Uh, does that answer your question? I hope this is good. I think it's a bit shit. Um, that's it for life. That's my life. It's done. That's my life shit. And then we've got the gym section. This is going to be short because I'm probably just rambling. Um, that wouldn't make it short, would it? That would make it longer. I'm bad at this. Uh, gym questions. going to try and sum some of these up. I love the gym. For my mental health. And for my physical health, there's nothing like it. Obviously, there's nothing like it for physical health. But if I don't go to the gym for like three days, I am miserable. I'm sure maybe that I did that to myself, but the endorphins or whatever, they're so good. And like, just it's like a, it's another hobby, isn't it? If you do like powerlifting, you get like a, you get to set PRs and stuff. It's quite rewarding. Um, Ash St. Green, what's the best pre-show gym-related exercise that you do? Jury's out on this one. In fact, I'm going to sum this into the next question as well. Does your fitness routine affect the way you play drums in a positive slash negative way or not at all? Let's sum this up. If I go to the gym before a show, I play so much better. I'm not talking like directly before the show. I'm like a few hours before the show. I play phenomenally better because I don't know what it is. I think I've been, it doesn't matter what I do. I could do legs, I could do arms, I could do back or whatever. But I think it's to do with like certain little internal muscles that are quite hard to warm up in like on a practice pad or whatever. They get warmed up when you do like a bench press or whatever at the gym. And then you need those muscles to like balance and obviously your balance affects your timing. I'm talking like compound exercises here, bench press, squat, deadlift, military press. Um, I think those internal muscles are actually good for your internal timing because if you're off balance, your your internal click is going to be wrong or whatever. Uh, there's no science to back that up. I'm not aware of anything, but I feel like that. Um, so when I was having my hip at its worst time, I actually... we bought some weight 
off a venue that a band had left some vet weights there. Um, and then we bought some, we bought them and I would just do sort of five deadlifts, five overhead press, 20 push-ups, 20 bent over rows. No, five bent over rows. And then I would do like 10 sets of that before we played and it was the best warm-up ever. Um, so ideally, if I had a weight set on tour, I would do something like that, like a five by five strength thing. Um, so in terms of does your fitness routine affect the way you play the drums in a positive, negative way, that is kind of that question answered. But I will say this about stuff like CrossFit and like high rep bodybuilding stuff. There is an element of tendonitis that you can get, like shoulder tendonitis, which I'm actually dealing with a little bit of now, which is just from doing a CrossFit-style workout once where you do like loads and loads of reps because at my sort of age, my body will break before my brain does. By that, I mean like the exercise was like do 150 overhead presses and I was like, I'm fucking doing it. And I did it, and at around 80, my body was going, you probably shouldn't do this, mate. And I was like, ah, fuck it. And then now I've got a bit of shoulder tendonitis. So now when I play a crash symbol with my left hand, it hurts a little bit. It's fine, I've dealt with it before, but that kind of high rep bodybuilding training, I don't think is good for drumming. I mean, it probably is, but not... In terms of getting injured, not great. I think a modest power lifting or just strength training something like five by five or starting strength something like that is great compound movements use a lot of muscles you can build a lot of muscle mass warms you up it's functional i'm just selling it to you aren't i five by five or starting strength and then later on when you progress you could go to something called five three one which is a jim wendler powerlifting program so i did all of that i did powerlifting for the longest time I was never any good because I didn't really eat much. Um, but then I did a bit of bodybuilding this last sort of six months. And I look better now, but I play better. I play worse at the drums. Not worse than before. Not I haven't got worse. I mean, it doesn't really warm me up the same way because I'm a little bit more tired. So I think I'll go back to... And when I'm on tour, I go back to powerlifting. Is that a long way to answer the question? I would say... A moderate, low-volume powerlifting program is fantastic for drumming um, and your posture and everything like that. But I wouldn't go like... I wouldn't just go in blind. I would follow one of those ones that I said. Um, Pancake.party. What up, Pancake Party? What's your ab routine? I tell you what, there's no ab routine, but I tell you what, also, there's no Pancake Party to get the abs. Um, no, what is your ab routine? My ab routine is... There is no ab routine, as I just said. And a lot, that's a misconception. A lot of people think you need to do crunches or whatever to get abs. If you're doing big compound movements, squat, deadlift, bench, you're going to have abs. It's your body fat percentage that means you don't have abs. So, And the other thing is lighting. So I'm guessing this question comes from when I post a photo on Instagram where I look pretty fucking jacked. And it's only ever when I'm playing a show because... There's really good downward lighting, so that gets the abs going. And then my body fat is quite low at the moment anyway, or on tour because I lose weight. And that magical combination is uh, my ab routine. Lighting and being skinny. Um, 
And it, I just think fuck an ab routine off. You could do so much. Like an ab routine is going to take you fucking what ten minutes. You might as well do push-ups or something that involves more muscles, and because and will effectively burn more fat, which will let your abs pop. You know, and who cares about abs really? Um, can you talk about what you do at the gym? Is there any relation between keeping in shape and playing well? Well, I've just answered that, and I should have planned this out. That was from Cammy, but nice question, Cammy. Consider the answers that I just did. The sort of for you as well. Um, currently, yeah, bodybuilding. Going to go back to powerlifting. I might buy a Boris Shaco Shaco plan. I pay for my bodybuilding and coaching and stuff because. I don't, the internet is full of just too much stuff. I'd just rather someone else told me. So there's this coach called Boris Shaiko, Shaiko, I don't know how to say it, who coached the Russian Olympic team to win seven. I don't even think it's the Olympics, just the uh, Powerlifting Federation. They won seven times because of this guy's training program. So I might just do that. Um, yeah, that's the gym. Boom. What are we, 30 minutes in? This is going to be fucking short. What am I going to do? Have a sip of coffee, that's what I'll do. We're on to the drum bit. What's that? Two sections down in 30 minutes? Yeah, we might get an hour out of this. The drum bit. I'm a drummer. Love the drums. A lot of you talking about endorsements. Tom pleads guilty first. Tom, what are you pleading guilty to, Tom? I hope it's not something very naughty, because I don't want to answer you if it's something very naughty but if it's like oh I got in a fight and I did punch the guy in the face and then stab him cut his head off but I'm pleading guilty because I was compus mentis then actually Tom respect because you're not sort of trying to get out of it anyway hope the trial goes well to answer your question first drum endorsement was um minor symbols my beloved minor symbols, which is nearly 10 years ago. I'll, I'll say this again, nearly 10 years ago, because I've seen when like Thomas Lang and whoever has been there for 10 years, they send him a little symbol with like a little plaque. And obviously I'm a little tiny little man compared to him, but can I have a plaque when it's 10 years, please, minor? And I know some of you are listening to this. Um, it was minor. It was when I was with Fiatri. In fact, I'll, let's put these into a, a couple of couple of people's questions all in one a lot of people were asking how do you get endorsements how do they work what tier are you on blah 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 blah. here is the fucking breakdown let's use mine as a first example so i don't know if i'm allowed to talk about this but i am that's a sort of theme um mine viatry was touring a lot i was breaking a lot of symbols because of the touring and buying inferior products. I hit up Minel, I think our manager at the time, hit him up maybe, wasn't very good, the manager, but they did put them put me in contact. And I will say this, that um, endorsement companies much prefer if you contact them, but don't contact them until you have something to offer them. Don't be like, oh, I've got, I got 13... Um, Instagram followers and my latest video on Instagram got like six likes so can I have the Benny Greb signature set for free because it's not going to happen so I hit mine up 
I actually always wanted to play Minor, but at the time I played Sabian purely because they were cheaper and Minor were really expensive at the time. I don't know how that relates now, but I hit Minor up and the first thing they said was, well, you don't play our symbols already. And then I explained like, I really want to be like Chris Adler. I just can't afford it and there's no stockists, blah, blah, blah. They then put me on, they said yes, because we were touring so much because it's beneficial for them for people to see their symbols it's like an advertisement isn't it that's why they endorse people um they put me on a percentage off thing i think it was like 40 percent off something like that or 40 percent off the rrp so it wasn't exactly 40 percent off like what would be in the shop um and you know that and it was like free replacements which was that's it that's all i wanted so i paid i paid a lot of money for the first set of symbols and then it was free replacements, and that was just like infinite symbols. And I didn't even break that many because they were good quality symbols now. Um, so that went on for probably probably four years at that sort of level. And then my career started taking off a little bit more. And then it got to the point where when I was sort of asking for symbols, like to buy... Sometimes they would just go, yeah, there you go. And I'd be like, do you want me to pay? And they'd go, nah, not this time. And I'd be like, wow, that's cool. And it's only because I was, I got to a point where the cost of them manufacturing the symbols was not as much as they would pay to advertise to the amount of people I was reaching, if you know what I mean. So if I play a tour and it's, you know, 500 people a night for 30, 30 nights and they already know I'm not that shit at the drums, they know, you know, there's 500 people seeing minor cymbals for 30, do the maths, 30 times 500, fucking no idea. 15,000? Don't know. Uh, one of you brainiacs can figure that out, Dexter in your lab. Um, so, you know, that's, that's however many people seeing it. And then when you add in Instagram and stuff like that, people get you get a lot of people that are annoyed at like Instagram drummers getting endorsements, blah blah blah. Oh, they've never had a real gig. Listen, how many motherfuckers at a gig realistically are going, "Oh, that ride symbol's nice. I might buy that when I get home." One, if you're lucky. Whereas if you look at nerd Instagram, which is where I live, um, you're gonna see someone with 120,000 followers playing a ride symbol and you know you've probably got 20,000 people out of those that want to buy that ride symbol because of that video you can't pay for that kind of advertising you can't pay for if you put something on tv and you wanted it to reach 20,000 drummers one it wouldn't happen two even if it could happen the amount of money you would have to pay to reach 20,000 drummers would be so much more than just giving this one guy a free set of cymbals. Do you know what I mean? So it, the the thing, you have to be good at the drums, but the benefit has to be there for both parties. Um, hopefully that sort of clears it up. And pick your company and just that you want and just wait for them because they hate that as well. And to be honest, I didn't do that with drums. Um, I sort of just went with a load of companies for a bit and then i really wanted dw if we're honest if we're perfectly honest 
sort of my number one and number two of all time. No, they're both number one, but my top two are DW and Tama, and they always will be because they make the best drums. DW said no. DW said yes, actually. And then they said, yeah, but you have to play the design series. I was like, what the fuck? I've already got a collector's. They were like, nah, you've got to play the design series. We can only give you the money off the design series. The design series is a good kit, but it might as well be a fucking Mapex. Um, you know, by that I mean it's just made on a production line. And I already had the collectors. I was like, all I want is a little bit of rental help. I still said no. I think it's because I don't believe in God. You know, I think DWs are sort of the Freemasons, but pretty godlike. A lot of God Squad on the DW roster. Even like the metal guys, they're all God Squad. No, not for me. Um, and then you got Tama, Slayer, Metallica. Okay, Tama's way cooler. Um, Tama, Tama, fuck knows. So, yeah, I went with Tama, and I actually, in fact, I nearly went with Q. You know, Q, Boutique Q, because I love their drums. But they couldn't offer, because they're a small company, they couldn't really offer the support that I needed. Um, and that's why it's got to go both ways. The um, they I need to be offering them something, and then at the same time, they need to be offering me something. So the deal with, like, Tama... I don't know where it's at now because I was, I was kind of new to it. So I did pay, and they were initially I paid, and they were like however much percentage off. But the main reason for going with them was their rental policy from like other countries. If anyone doesn't know, a lot of the time, if your tour starts in Germany or whatever, you have to rent backline and. Tama and other big companies have deals with these backline companies where you can rent the drum kit of your uh, endorser for free and you just pay for the cases. So I think for us to do a full European tour, it only costs us €120 to borrow our drum kit for however long. And that's invaluable. That's just the best. And that's why really you go with a drum company, I guess. Um, it's why I did anyway because obviously my band is American so I needed support and now I have a kit over there and a kit over here or whatever as well but the, you can't really beat the rentals there's the guy Stefan in Germany the German Tamer guy like uh, I had a rental kit really fuck up short notice for our festival run that, uh, in the summer and I spoke to him and he was just like yeah where'd you start and I was like oh our driver comes from Poznan in Poland. He was like, yeah, I have a uh, Star Classic, brand new, at uh, this backline company. It was like fucking incredible. It was like 20 minutes from our driver's house. He just picked it up, met him there, met him at the first show, this lovely Star Classic kit. Um, incredible. Thanks, Tama. You're the best. Uh, and then Vic Firth, I've already talked about it on the podcast before I got Joe Tester's email. And again, I was in a touring band. I was in, uh, playing in a band called Dead Swans at the time, hardcore band. Um, and I sent him an email and I just said, I know it's a bit cheeky, mate, but you got any drumsticks? And he loved how he loved how I used the word cheeky. And then he sort of checked out that I was doing stuff and then he offered me the endorsement. And that's coming on for 10 years as well. Um, love all those guys. Would never play another stick brand. Um, I would never play another cymbal brand because I've sort of got that relationship with the team that I love them. They're like fam. They're real fam. Um, yeah, 
And then Evans was sort of just just wanted drumheads, and I ended up I knew Elaine from Evans. She sorted me out with that. And the way Evans works is they give you an allowance uh, that you can spend a year on there. In fact, the way Evans works is the best. There's like an online login, and you buy it through there from your allowance or your discount, whatever setting you're on, setting level. And then it just gets delivered next day delivery wherever you are in the world. You don't even have to speak to a human being. It's incredible, and every company should do that. Um, God, a lengthy section on endorsements. I hope that clears that up. A lot of people saying, can I be your drum tech? Here's the thing, because I talk about not having a drum tech. It's not like I don't want one. I desperately want one. It's that I need all my money. Because I'm not rich, I've got enough money to get by, but if I have to pay for a drum tech, I'm not going to have it. And then there's a lot of people saying they'll do it for free, and I don't believe in people doing stuff for free. I don't believe in slave labour. Um, so, no, I'm afraid. I mean, one day, I got one drum student from back in the day who, when he's 18, I think I'll bring him on a tour to be a drum tech, because I... Because it'd be fun, and I think he would um, he would learn a lot from it, and he'd probably be able to be a drum tech. Um, and then I'd do that for free because I'm sort of helping him out. But that's still slave labour. I will begrudgingly do that slave labour. But other than that, no. Um, do I like to have the drums high or low in or in ear monitors? Uh, by B by A W. Uh, I used to have them high, and then, as I've spoke about before, a lot of these questions that I've been getting sent are have been answered on the podcast already, and I don't know if either you just want me to say your name and be like, oh, you answered my question, because you know that I'm going to answer it because I've talked about it before, or you just haven't listened to the other episodes, and I don't know which one of those annoys me more, okay? Both annoying. Um, used to have the drums high. Benny Greb told me to then have them low, and now when I have them low, it's uh, way better. I'm going to tie this into a next question from uh, Jerry, at Jerry V 1994 Please explain the gear necessary to play with a click. I'm going to tie this in, right? So to play with a click, you essentially need something to do a click, and then you plug it into a monitor. No, you don't. I'm fucking brain dead. Let's start that again. Oh, I could edit this. Can't be fucking asked. Right. To play with a click, you need something to do a click, even on a phone or whatever. Then you need a little mixer, which is like 30 quid. And then you need some way to get the click into your ears. Um, so in-ear monitors, headphones, whatever. If you want to play with backing tracks, um, get a fucking better band. No. If you want to play with backing tracks then you need to pan all of the click to the left, pan all of the backing tracks to the right, then put it on your iPod or your phone or whatever and use a splitter cable and then put the, the click side, so let's say left, into your monitor and then the right side into a DI box that will go to the front of the house and then you will be in time with the samples. Um, but back to the do you like to have the drums high or low in your in-ear monitors, what I like to do now is I just have guitar and kick in my monitors and then I have a little microphone which I attach to my little desk that I have my mixer on 
and it just gives me like an ambient mic so it's kind of like i'm just playing in a jam room because i can hear everything like just a loud acoustic drum kick but i have a little bit of kick and guitar as well and that in terms of like feeling the show that's my favorite thing to do because there's like a you get the vibe from the show it's not like playing underwater with perfectly cd sounding drums or sometimes bad sounding drums um have you ever sometimes felt limited by using bigger than 2v sticks um it's from the same guy um no in fact i was getting insane blister problems when i joined stray and then george schmitz and um connor dennis told me to use bigger sticks and then i did use bigger sticks and i got vic firth again this is what i'm saying about fama lamb Vic Firth, I was like, oh, I want to use bigger sticks. And they were like, here you go. We'll send you one of every bigger pair of sticks that we've got bigger than yours. So I had all these sticks, tried them all out. And then I ended up the rocks. The minute I played them, I was like, yeah, they were a little bit slower because they're so much thicker and longer. But I figured out I had to put less effort in to be loud because obviously science dictates if something's bigger, it's going to be louder hitting the drum. Um, there's more mass hitting the drum so I could actually reserve a little bit of energy from the loudness side of things and then that would speed me up and I've never looked back I don't think I'll ever play another stick unless nah I just love them love the rocks Vic Firth rock Um, and I don't think they're that much bigger than 2B I think they're almost the same but with a slightly shorter neck maybe I could be making it up there's not really any fucking system Somebody's 3A can be the same as someone else's 2B. There's no rules. Just try what you like, you know? You know what I'm saying? Um, most miserable you've ever been while playing a show? From JM Pre. I hope that means pre-workout, JM. You're going to get lit, my boy. Uh, could be a girl. Don't know. JM. Gender neutral. GN. Um, every time I've got food poisoning, the first couple of times I went to America, I got food poisoning all the time, probably because I ate like a gigantic piece of shit, but then also probably because I feel like you're just not used to the germs in other countries. Oh yeah. When you get used to them, then you're fine. I haven't been sick in America, touch wood, in maybe three tours, but uh, particularly one that sticks out was... Me and Tom got this insane food poisoning from a fucking diner, that diner in Atlanta that's always on diners, drive-ins and dives, um, and man versus food and stuff. It's supposed to be the best diner in America. Mm, is it? I got fucking raging food poisoning. Um, but it was backstage just puking. Tom was puking, and it was like the exorcist. I've never heard anything like it. It was like... Ah! That made you jump, but oh, I can see the fucking. I think I clipped the microphone there, but yeah, Tom was scream puking. I was like, just it was almost like I was on hallucinogenics, like just fucking losing my mind. Um, and then I stood up to start warming up to play, and then I passed out. Um, and then Connor Dennis actually had to fill in at short notice, and I was fine the next day. It was like a 48 hour thing, 20, 24 hour, good. Um, so yeah, that's probably it, to be honest. Um, and then we got someone saying, 
Please explain. Oh, and it's the same guy. Same guy says, why are the stick industry and artists pushing hickory sticks when oak is where it's at? Excuse me. Oak is not a very forgiving wood in terms of shock. So when you play with oak sticks for a long time, the hickory absorbs the shock. And when the shock is too much for the stick, the stick breaks. If the stick doesn't break, so if you use oak or, you know, whatever other shit that drumsticks are made out of, like a harder material, that shock is actually going into your wrists. It's not going into... It's not just breaking the stick. It's just going into your wrists. So I'm fucking strictly against oak drumsticks. They're just going to cause injuries. Um, As far as I'm aware, there's only one company that makes oak drumsticks Promark I'm surprised they haven't got a lawsuit on their hands I can't really talk shit about Promark actually because that's the Dario which owns Evans and I love Evans I'm just talking shit for the sake of talking shit drumsticks are fucking drumstick out of the big three anyway Zildjian drumsticks can suck a fucking big one though because they just break immediately always have always will there you go talk shit a lot of you just asking me to talk shit there you go it's a nice shit talk on Zildjian drumsticks. Um, got any more? I guess that's it. That's it for the drum stuff. I'll do this again. If you know, if you've got any others, we'll stick them in. Um, now I've got the random stuff, the fun stuff, and I'm glad this is sort of coming to an end because I got a sore back because I deadlifted today, and I'm sat in a fucking shit chair. Um, so yeah. Let's go do some of these mad, mad old ones. Uh, random ones. Worst haircut you ever got. Ashton Green, I think he asked two questions. I just split them up. Worst haircut I ever got was um, a Turkish barber's. In between a European tour and a Japanese tour with Brutality Will Prevail, we had two days off in London. I just went to the first barber I could find and he fucking gave me a bowl cut like I looked like um, Lloyd from... Fucking dumb and dumb. Is, it, is Lloyd Jim Carrey's character? Anyway, it was mental. I had the whole Australian tour with this fucking shit haircut. And now I've got like PTSD from haircuts. Um, so I need to find... If you see on my Instagram, I'm always asking for barbers because I need my haircut every two weeks. And the barber has to be good. Um, that's quite a vain thing. I'm quite a vain guy, really, if I'm honest. But, you know, you can't put a price on feeling good. It's not about what I look like, it's how I feel. When you get a nice skin fade, lads, come on, you know what I'm talking about. A nice tight skin fade, fuck me, there's nothing like it. Better than sex. Is it? Nah, not better than sex. Um, Dan Pressland, do you know who that guy is? He's like plays in some black metal band. Very fast, incredibly fast drummer. He's asked some questions. Top three LA fitness in USA. LA fitness is, fitness is shit. But sometimes I will buy like a month's pass there because they're everywhere. But recently I did an Equinox um, free trial for like a week. And it was the most incredible gym I've ever been to. And they were almost everywhere that we were. So that was great. It was like in the book American Psycho, he works out in Equinox. That's the sort of level. I think it's like $260 a month. So that would be my favorite gym uh, and my favourite chain gym, favourite, let's, let's, let's make this question better, favourite gyms in general in America while on tour, Be Fit in Houston, it's like a huge warehouse gym, it's fucking sick, um, 
Los Campinos, I think it's called, in Minnesota. There's another wicked sort of hole-in-the-wall powerlifting gym. Um, I think I went to a good... I went to Gold's. Someone hit me up and was like, oh, I can get you into Gold's, Venice Beach Gold's. And that was, to be fair, sick, um, sort of for the history as well as whatever. Best care package you've ever got on tour. Um, Quest. Quest Nutrition. I'm going to fucking at you in this quest, all right? This is going to be one of the things on the story, so I've got to make it 15 seconds long. Once, Quest sent me a box of stuff when we were on tour, and we were playing loads of people, and loads of people saw the Quest stuff that I had, and it was really good. I mean, it was like Quest bars, and it was like fucking Quest chips and stuff like that, and there's some protein, and they sent me, and I wish they would send me it again. I hope that was less than 15 seconds. Um, but yeah, Quest sent me a load of shit once and it was incredible because on tour when you're doing a 20 hour drive or whatever quest bars and protein bars add up they're like three bucks each but if you've got a box of them under your bench oh shit boy you know you just be scoffing on that stuff there'd be like a little rustling at the back and then everyone's like what's going on and i'm just rustling away eating that quest quest nutrition please give me free stuff again um, favorite band from the old school Reading slash London scene. Oh, Noah J C. Uh, a band called Zerath. X E R A T H. Incredible band. It sounds like um, Devin Townsend meets Extreme meets Planet X. Like super technical crazy shit. The drummer Mike Pittman. I'm actually going to get him on the podcast because he now makes. Music for that league, I think it's called League of Legends. So all the skills that he learned in this sort of band, that to be fair, didn't really go anywhere. Um, like I'm not that sounds bad, but like they didn't, they didn't go as far as they should have. You know, he learned skills in that, which then later gave him a job, which is making music for computer games. And I always try and tell this to my drum students, like, if your band doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't mean it's completely useless. It, you you will have learnt lessons. So just fucking pick yourself up and do another band. Um, oh, message, that's the best bit of the podcast. You stop listening now. Um, Favourite album art? Are there any albums you listen to or bought based on amazing artwork without hearing it prior? Matty Beach, what a good question. And I have a nice answer because I am me and I know the answer, right? This is how I got into metal, right? I was at a car boot sale. That's a garage sale to all you Americans, right? With my parents back in the day. We're talking post Cameron Diaz boner, but pre... Probably pre, like, actually ever using my boner. Um, so that puts us at about 12 years old. Um, and I walked past the sort of stall. And um, there was, like, this bit of artwork on a CD of, like, this mountain, weird mountain thing with loads of, like... I was into, like, Warhammer and shit like that, Games Workshop. So I already liked the sort of mystical nerd shit. And then I saw this CD that was, like this sort of weird tower made of stuff and it said sepultura arise on it and i was like "Ooh, that's cool i'm gonna buy that um and i think i'd seen sepultura on beavis and butthead which i was into and then the the other guy that was there 
the other guy that was there? It was just a meeting between me and this other guy. No, the guy that was doing the car boot sale, garage sale, um, was like, oh, if you like this, then you'll like this. And he gave me um, Burn My Eyes Machine Head and Far Beyond Driven by Pantera. That was the first three CDs that I, metal CDs that I properly bought. Um, and it was based on just the artwork of Arise. And I think Arise is probably still one of my favourite artworks. Um, and then I like, sort of having a conversation lately about the uh, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us uh, architect's artwork. I was having this conversation recently. Um, a weird story about that, actually, is that... I was watching the movie Arrival. Um, good movie, if you haven't seen that. And I was enjoying the artwork. Not the artwork. Fuck me. Trying to tell a nice fucking story here. And I've just bollocksed it up. Um, I was enjoying the music of the film Arrival. And I was like, oh, I must remember to tell Dan Searle that this is good music. Because I know he likes the same sort of kind of music as me. Um and then I researched the guy who made it, Johan Johansson. Um, and then what popped up was his solo album. And it's almost exactly the same artwork as All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I know for a fact that Tom nor Dan had seen this album artwork before. So they haven't stolen it. Um, and that was weird. So I told Dan about that anyway. And there was the sort of synchronicity in that which was strange and I, something I want to talk I'm going to get Daniel P. Carter on this podcast because he sort of knows a bit about synchronicity and how it relates to the universe and whatever um, so I sort of resonated with that artwork anyway and then the weirdness of them there being a guy with a solo album of music that I think Dan Searle would enjoy that had almost exactly the same artwork the album's called Orphy by Johan Johansson. And then like the last um, Linkin Park album. Again, has almost the same artwork. And then what I found out later on is that Johan Johansson is sadly no longer with us. Um, Chester Bennington is sadly no longer with us. And obviously Tom Searle is sadly no longer with us. And all three of those people put that artwork, used that artwork for something. And I'm... 99.9% sure that all three of those people weren't aware of the other artist using that artwork. And it's a weird synchronicity. It's a weird thing about that sort of image of the eclipse. And then you, when you think about the eclipse, oh, I'm getting fucking tingles just thinking about it. And when you think about the eclipse as a, you know, back in ancient times, what it meant to them. They thought it was the end of the world and stuff like that. And there's a, there's something going on with that imagery and the consequence and the coincidence of what happened to those three guys in, that I don't think I'll ever know. Um, so that got a bit deep for a minute there. Let's, let's sort of judge it up with uh, some other random questions. We got Mitchell Martin says, or is it Martin Mitchell? I don't know. Would you fuck a mermaid? Nice. Nice, Mitch. Or Mark, whichever you are. Would I fuck a mermaid? Here's the thing. Where is the bit that I would fuck? Is it on the fish bit? Or is it on the 
woman bit. Um, and is it, does it count? Is it like, is that an interspecies thing? Because I'm not up for that. But does she identify as a woman? Uh, and not a fish? What's, I need some more, I need some more guidelines here. I need to know the rules. Because, you know, if something's hot enough, I'm fucking it. I mean, I'm not because I'm married. But in theorem, you know, if I like it, I'm in. I mean, obviously not animals or kids or anything mental. You know, I'm married to a woman. But she could be a mermaid. Is it like a mega hot babe with like... A fish tail. Is there any fish smell? I suppose that can happen. Either way. Oh, you can't say that. Oh. Um, I'm up for it, Mitch. I'm up for it. In theory, yes, I would. I mean, that's the mermaid tail, isn't it? They sort of, the siren sucks you in. And then sucks you off. Um, I mean, yeah, blowy. No, fuck, I can't talk about this. Shit. Uh, keeping it in, though. Got to keep it real. Uh, strangest thing you've put your dick in from Scribble Owl. Probably a mermaid. Not done it, but that would certainly be the strangest thing I've put my dick in. See, this is the Twitter crowd now. Twitter's on it with, like, mad questions. Um, why are you sympathetic to far left ideology but disdainful of far right ideology both killed millions in the 20th century oh motherfucker we got ourselves a genius here okay where do I start with this fucker um here's the thing mate the far left now doesn't represent what it did in the 20th century when you're saying both killed millions in that argument. Both killed millions in the 20th century. No, the far right, uh, the far left now does not do that. We're not talking Cambodian killing fields right now. However, the far right is exactly the same as it was then. They still want the segregation or extermination or whatever of any different cultures and races, right? So if you're giving me two choices, which is to either be on the side of the oppressors or the ones that are like trying to stop it, then I'm going to pick the left, aren't I? The left, despite what like Breitbart might tell you, are trying to make the world more equal. And the right are still trying to create a master race. And not the right right, I mean the far right, okay? Been burnt before with calling the right the far right. I mean the far right. And you did actually ask in your question the far right. And the far left, well, the far left now isn't what it was, and the far right still is what it was. That answer your question, pal. Um, yeah. My mum asked a question. So, if you're listening, mum, you've heard the story about when we went to watch the mask in the cinema. What happened there, which you didn't know about, and um, you just heard that I'd fuck a mermaid. So that's. Mum, all right, I'd fuck a mermaid. Um, so my mum says, do you think we're alone in the universe? Because she knows I love aliens. Um, and no, I don't think we're alone in the universe. And neither do you, mum. But also, isn't it cute that my mum listens to the podcast? Um, 
But also, I don't know what the universe is now. So here's a thing that I think and that people often think I'm a crazy person for. But I think we might be in a simulation. And that this is all sort of like one mental, like future advanced civilizations version of like a computer game, like GTA 11 or whatever. Um, so we're actually just playing this game because there's so many like synchronicities that happen that I think everything has to be connected. And the only logical thing I can think of is that it's all a game, which means everything's pre-planned in some sort of way. But then in Grand Theft Auto, it's not pre-planned. Like, people get hit by cars in Grand Theft Auto as a result of just the way it's programmed. The chaos is programmed, which I guess is what I think we're in now. Um, Which would mean that someone's created it, which would technically mean I believe in God, but not in any kind of sort of omnipotent, I'm watching you wank God, but more of a sort of, boys, I've created this sort of, computer game let's sit back and watch what happens um so yeah and what does that make aliens are they part of it or does our simulation end at the earth and then the aliens are actually people that made the simulation i don't really know it's got a bit deep there i'm far too sober for the uh deepness i could i could do a whole podcast on that Does anyone know anyone that's mega into fucking aliens? I met um, Sid from Slipknot once, and the first thing he told me was that the queen was a lizard. And I was like, yeah, respect. Respect, Sid. I think you're right there, mate. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Yeah. What are we on, like an hour and ten? Quite short, because... There's no other person to sort of bounce off. So I guess what I'll do now, considering none of my guests ever ask me, which is fucking rude, um, but a lot of you have asked me, I'm going to do my top five bands. Number one is Radiohead. It's my favourite band of all time. Um, If you don't like Radiohead, go on Apple Music and look at Radiohead Essentials because it kind of is their best songs. Um, Just a brilliant career from brilliant musicians. Um... Then they really like morphed as time's gone on, and I love the old shit and I love the new shit. Um, top albums in Rainbows. I'm not going to do five in Rainbows and Kid A. I would say uh, Hail to the Thief. Maybe the top three albums. Okay, that's number one. Number two, Meshuggah. You all know that. You know my favourite Meshuggah songs. Too easy. Um, number three, Metallica. Still love Metallica, even though I only like four albums. Um, and I'll give you. And like Lars taught me how to play a, taught me you could play a crash and a snare at the same time, which was interesting to me. Um, and the correct order of Metallica albums, and there are, there is no other order, is number one and Justice for All, number two Ride the Lightning, number three Master of Puppets, number four. Is there even a number four? Number four, I guess, Kill 'Em All, and then um, number five, the Black Album. Sometimes not even number five. I would say they're my top three that never change. And then I have sort of a few bands that rotate for the fourth and fifth spot. And they are This Will Destroy You. The self-titled album's incredible. I know it sounds heavy, but it's not heavy at all. It's like post-rock stuff. Um, Cult of Luna, which is post-metally stuff. Uh, Opeth. This time of year I love Opeth. But I don't really like what Opeth became. 
I much prefer sort of up to the ghost reveries. No, what's the one after ghost reveries? Watershed. Up to Watershed, and then they went a bit too proggy for me. Uh, and Gojira, and you know all my favourite songs were Gojira as well. Uh, I'd say Opeth's probably worthy of a top albums. Blackwater Park, Deliverance, Ghost Reveries, Watershed. And that's it. Um, yeah, I hope it was good. Going to make some dinner now. I hope there's been some home truths in there. Um, hope it hasn't been too long or too shit. And, um, you know, take care. See you next time with a guest. Goodbye. <laughs>